when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews, among them, complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles, who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Thanks so much, David, and good morning, everyone. I'm Etienne, and uh, yeah, I, I get to resume this morning a set of seri- a series of sermons that we started through this book of Acts. If you're new to God, new to church, new to Christianity, the book of Acts is sort of in history shortly after the life of Jesus. It talks about the, you might say, the beginnings of the church. We're roughly about 2,000 years ago. We've preached and taught through four or five chapters of that, and we're resuming that again today. Uh, Before I jump in, I'll just say, if you as an individual, or your family, or if you belong to a small group, want to take further what you learn here on a Sunday morning, we have released a number of questions or, or uh, it's called devotional material. Simply what that means is just some things for you to think about that how what we say here might apply to your life. What might God want to show to you about how he wants to fill you, equip you, call you, change you? Use those. You'll find them in the newsletter. If you get that emailed out to you, you'll also find hard copies of it in the foyer near the little table near the Acts chalkboard sign out there. So please, I just want to flag that. They'll be there all throughout the series. Please use them in your families as individuals and in groups. Okay, let's kick it off. I want to start the message with the end of the passage. A little passage that David read to us finishes like this. It says, So, the word of God spread. 
There's two things here. So, in other words, in this way, the word of God spread. Do you know what the word of God is? Let's just work with that. What is the word of God? Let me summarize to you, particularly if you're, you're new here. God so loved the world, loves you, loves the group of people here, loves everyone that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, so that whoever believes in him won't perish, but will have eternal life. If you believe that this God-man Jesus came, he died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sin, for everything that's wrong about you, (laughs) you get given life. Life here, now, a, a relationship with God that gives you a kind of life, a type of life, an experience of life that is nothing like anything else on offer on the planet. A life-giving relationship with the living God who made you. And in that relationship, your life gets given all the meaning, all the hope, all the satisfaction, all the, all the power and the strength to deal with what you need to deal with in your life as you live it out here on earth until the day when you will meet the one who made you face to face. That is the word of God. It's good news. It's fantastic news. There is nothing that I can say to you today that is of more weight, of more value, of more importance, and of more beauty than that. It is the word of God. And people in this story of Acts start to believe it. And their lives are changed. They're forever new. They're forever different. They never look back after they put their faith that this man Jesus was who he said he was. This is the word that spreads started spreading 2,000 years ago, it's still spreading today because we're still here, we're still hearing it, it is still making a difference. And if it hasn't in your life yet, can I pause here and say, please, this is for you. The purpose of this church is to spread the word of God. Is to, it is our hope, our prayers that you would know and you'd come to know a God who made you, who loves you. And if you want to find out more about it, Please talk to the person who brought you here. Talk to the person who, who you know, who has a relationship with God. Talk to me after the service. Let us help you come to know the Word of God, or rather the God of this Word that we're spreading. Okay? That's what it is. That's what, that's what the Word of God is. And it spreads. How did it spread? <laughs> so... The word of God spread. In this way, more and more and more and more people came to know of it and put their faith in this Jesus. How did it happen? There's lots of things I can tell and should tell you, but, but today there's one particular threat, I guess, to the spreading of the word of God that occurred. There was, there was a problem problem that occurred in the early life of this church. It's a problem that is still occurring in the life of the church today. It's a problem that I personally think we're wrestling with as a church right now, to be frankly honest with you. It's a wonderful and unusual problem. 
is the problem. The problem is that the church is starting to talk without walking. Here's what happened in this story. There's a, one of the things this new church does, remember this is a bunch of people who says, we know God, we're in a living relationship with God, and it changes our lives, it changes how we live our lives. Here's one of the things we do as a group of people, the early church in Jerusalem, a place called Jerusalem, said is, we are going to do good deeds. There are a number of people who live in Jerusalem, they are widows, if you're a widow in those days, whether your husband died, whether your husband uh, left you, you were down and out. No social security, no Anglicare, no doll, no welfare. If you had no family, you are truly and utterly abandoned. And this church looks at it and it says, no, nah, this is not the heart of God. The heart of God is that those who are abandoned, those who are down, those who are out, they are looked after because this living God cares. And we are like Him. And so what they do is they start this whole practice of, and it's already been there before in other religious groups, but I think the church takes it next level. It says, hey, we're going to do daily distribution of bread. We're going we're to feed these people. We're going to look after them. And look at bread here as the symbolism of how the church, in physical, concrete terms, says we have to look after the vulnerable, right? But you heard the story. There's a problem, you know. The, it's funny. People are people, hey? Whether it's early church, now church, doesn't matter. <laughs> We're not told how it happens, but there's this, this tension that we've got two groups of people. You've got, you've got, this is all Jewish people. At this stage, Christianity is a Jewish thing. Now, as we go in the next few weeks, we're going to see how it becomes a non-Jewish thing. It's really cool. But at this stage, it's a Jewish thing in the, in the city of Jerusalem. There are some Jewish widows who speak Hebrew, and they're kind of really the, the originals, if you like, the locals, the first. And then there are these other people they sometimes call Hellenists. They're sometimes called... Uh, Greek-speaking Jews, and they speak Greek because they moved out from Jerusalem, living in other places, and they come back to Jerusalem sometimes for feasts and festivals. Uh, some of them then live there, but they kind of, you know, they went out and then they came back and they're a uh, bit rivalry, if you like. And here's what happens, you know, for some reason, in some way, all the bread goes, <laughs> goes this side. And this side, the, the Greek-speaking Jews go, well, this isn't right. We're, we're being overlooked. The, the bread's all going there, and we're getting nothing. This is the problem. Now, you tell me. I'm looking for a bit of interaction from you. I think we all agree this is a problem. Why is it a problem? What exactly is the problem here for the church? Why is this such a big deal? And in the back of your mind... Why is this connected to the spreading of the word? I mean, that's interesting, isn't it? So, hit me up. Just any answers. Any, anything's well, I want to say anything's right. Maybe it's not. I don't know. It depends on what you say. But, but hit me up. What, what have we got? Why do you think that is a problem? Sure, discrimination. So, we have a bunch of people here who says, hey, we're being discriminated against. Yeah, thank you, John. Anything else? I'll go to Dini and then to Tony. Yep, Dini, sorry. Sure, yep. Church is just looking after itself. I mean, it's a fair point because um, we don't even know if a lot of these 
other widows were Christians. They may not even have been members of the church. They could well have been unbelievers, but they had nowhere else to go. So this is where they go to. Yeah, thank you. Ton, what did you say? Thanks, Denis. Favoritism, yeah. So here's a bunch who's favoured over the other. Yeah, yeah. Greed on this end, yeah. Greed is a thing in implicit. Thank you, thank you, Carla. Reggie. Yeah. Okay. And why? Yeah, sure. And why is that an issue? Uh, Reggie's saying for the Zoom folks that you know this is sort of saying, hey, the practice is not what we're saying. <laughs> we're saying that God loves you. God loves everyone. You Greek-speaking widows. God loves you. God loves you. But God loves you. Hey, why is that a problem? God can't love me. This, this God who they're talking about is no good. Why would I ever look at him and say that he is good, he is, he is worth it, he is someone who I should welcome and embrace and if the dude up the front says to me today that God loves you, that I should, I should turn to him and ask for him to fill me that I may know him when this is what happens. You know. And I know what happens in society when the church talks a talk which it does not walk. We know. We know that it is utterly, utterly abominable in the eyes of those who do not know God. Unfortunately, the world and the landscape is littered of people who have been hurt, burnt, neglected by Christians. Christians who are happy to stand and talk, you're going to hear this phrase a lot, but not walk. Just talk. Talk. No walk. Right? Result? The word of God <laughs> won't spread. Won't spread. <laughs> the apostles, the leaders of the church, they're called the twelve in the story. They know that. They know that. And that's why they, that's why they enter into the story. I mean, it's significant, isn't it? That, why is it that a practical thing that went wrong features in the story of the church. It's because they knew this is a big problem. And unless this is addressed, everything we stand for falls over. There'll be no bread for no one unless this is addressed. And so they step in and so they come up with a solution. But now I want to enter into something, enter something else into the discussion. There's, a, there's an interesting thing about the solution. A very interesting thing. Let me introduce it to you this way. Ryan and I visited Hilda DeWay's some months ago in Hobart. I think it was in Calvary. And, um, yeah, one of the Calvary hospitals in Hobart. And as we walked down the stairs on our way back to the car, I noticed something that really struck me and 
somewhat saddened me. There was a, a wall with all these pictures of a bunch of uh, nuns. I forgot the order to which they belonged to, sisters of don't know what, but, but this hall of fame of this hospital's founders through the 1930s. And I sit there looking at it thinking, here is a bunch of people who because they loved God and they believed that God loved people were moved to say we need to do a deed, we need to do something physical to love people. We want to provide care for those who are sick. We want to administer medicine. We want to enable them to heal, to get well. We want to feed them. We want to ensure that bread gets distributed. But for them, I have no doubt, this was also part of caring for the soul. This was to say that God loves you, God wants to feed you, but God not only wants to feed you the physical bread, he wants to feed you the living bread of Jesus Christ. They were the sisters who started that place. It was the church who did it. And here we are, 70, 80 odd years later, when no medical professional can stand at the bed of a patient and say, I want to heal you and help you physically and I want to heal and pray for your soul as well. It's called proselytizing. You can lose your job for that. You see the problem? Somewhere in the life of that organization, good deeds stifled the good word that needs to be given with the good deeds. Right? Here's where the apostles stand right now. They, they have an option here. They can say, well, how about we become a bread distribution organisation? Do you notice? How resolutely they said, no. We are not a bread distribution organisation. Bread must be distributed, but it is not what we fundamentally are about. And so they, they embark on a course of action that I think is insightful for us. Here's what they do. Here's their solution of how they're going to deal with this. Um, oh, sorry, Ben. Yep, there you go. They say, hey, the church must be an organisation that is talking the talk and walking the walk. Posture this. We are talking and walking. The church cannot and the church must never be an organization that stands at one point and just talks and talks and talks but does nothing. Similarly, the church must never be an organization that just talks but looks the other way. Does not tell about the real bread, the real hope the real life, the real goodness of God. That's their decision. That is what they come to in the end here. They, 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 their solution betrays this. They say, we must be equally about deeds and word. They're the religious language that I'm going to use here. Let me just dig deeper with you in how they have done this. 
Okay? Here's how they've done it. Number one, they've ensured that deeds are done well. They didn't overlook deeds. I've already pointed that out. I'll point it out again. They called all the disciples together. They said, we need to deal with this. We must be a community of people that do good deeds. Interestingly, did you notice the seven names of the people who they've appointed? Well, you wouldn't really notice because it's not on the surface, but they're all Greek names. You would have expected that they would say, hey, well, surely if we're going to solve this problem, we're going to appoint a committee with some Hebrew-speaking Jews and some Greek-speaking Jews. No. They're entirely Greek-speaking names. The Apostle says this is that serious for us that we'll, we'll relinquish control of this whole new community and we'll give it over to the people who are closest to the problem. We will let them govern this issue well. Number two, what you can get from this is notice the qualifications of the people appointed to deal with it. They were full of the Spirit and wisdom. Full of the Spirit and wisdom. You know, I'm on a Christian school board. One of the things we deal with not directly, but think about quite seriously, is will we as a Christian school reserve the right to appoint Christian teachers to teach children? You know, the church had an opportunity at this point to say, this is a bread issue. We need people who know bread. They don't need to be Christians. They, they need to just not be against Christianity, but really it's a bread issue. Let's get the bread people in who are good with bread and good with distributing bread. It's not the qualification. The qualification is, are they full of the Spirit and wisdom? Christian schools, for example. Let's get people who are good with education. They're education people. They're not against Christianity, but they're, they're good at education. No. Full of the Spirit and wisdom. Qualification for a good deed doer in the name of Christ is not are they good with the deeds, it's are they full of the Spirit and wisdom. That's the qualification. It's what they're looking for. Right? And then lastly on this point in, that's significant in how the apostles dealt with this, I think is this. You know, there's a lot of people, and you might be one of them here today, I certainly, I am. We sort of think to ourselves, this is good news. This is good news. Because I am kind of, I'm a deed person. I don't like talking about God. <laughs> I don't like telling people, A, that I believe at all, B, that, that, I, that I sort of share why I believe in God and why God is precious to me and why I love God. And You know, I'm not a word person, I'm a deed person. 
And others would say, look, I'm a, I'm a word person. I think we can be tempted to read the story and look at the apostles. They're going, no, we're not going to do any good deeds. We're word people. Our job is to tell people about God. It's some, some's job to walk and never have to talk. And it's some's job to talk and never have to walk. I think that's, that, that's, that's a gross failure of understanding what happens here. It's a gross failure. Because we're going to see next week and the week after that the very first person who gets murdered because of his faith in Jesus is the first of these seven people. His name's Stephen. And he did not get murdered for handing out bread. He got murdered because he spoke about Jesus. None of these seven were silent deed-doers. All of them were word and deed doers. When asked, why do you do the bread handing out? It's because of Jesus. It's because of the living God who is real, who loves me, who loves you. He's calling you to believe in him. They were all preachers and doers of the word. Preaching, not preaching, but sharers, talking of the word. In the same way, I don't believe that the, the 12 apostles never did anything physically good. They healed people cared for people. You see? These two things are inseparable in your life as a Christian. We must grow. Each of us individually, if you are a Christian here today, to grow in what are the deeds that God is calling me to do and how is God raising me to talk about Him? To my children my spouse. You know, I've met people who at the end of their life one of the spouse was about to die and I asked, asked the, the other party have you, have, you, have you asked them if they're afraid, if they know that, that Jesus loves them and, and, that, <laughs> and that you have hope. <laughs> and this person said, no, no, we don't, we don't talk about God. <laughs> A married couple Go to church. Parents with children. Oh no, we just deed our children. We just, we just feed them. But we don't talk about God. You can't. You can't live your Christian life and say, I just do deeds but I never talk about God. Right? It doesn't work like that. Let alone talking about those who, who, are, who are completely outside the church at work and our, our journey of growing of how to share our faith. How do you articulate what we believe and why we believe it? That, that's, that's, that's part of the journey of every single Christian and vice versa. We can never at an individual level only ever talk about God but do nothing to help people in their real hurts. So let me finish then. I'll finish with one application for us as a church to make it real and concrete to prove to the truth of this story. I think the most Fruitful and effective things that we have done, one of as a church in recent years, I think is our, is our bus ministry. I think it proves to us that when these two things are brought together, God blesses it. People get physically picked up, physically fed. Real bread and Milo 
Then they get fed the bread, the hope, the meaning, the healing, the thing that it is all about. And we've brought it together in that one regard, perhaps better than anywhere else. And I put it to you that the instruction that flows forth from here for us as a church is, can what we do and what we will do as a church going forth from here hold these two things together in the greatest of love, the love of God. And the result will be, (laughs) so the word of God will spread. You will see the same in your own life, loving the people who you want to meet Jesus. Physical love, deeds, in the name of Jesus, will spread the word. And then I can finish with the final word. You might say, hey, why? I've already covered that. Sorry, yeah. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. That's the result of word and deed ministry done well. And so forth. Can I return to the beginning? Talk to you if you are not a Christian today on Zoom or here in the flesh, you'd say, hey, regardless of what your hang-ups of the church is in the past, I want you to think about the God who I'm asking you to believe in this morning. That God has loved you in word and in deed. The word is that God so loved you. That's the word. How? He gave his one and only son. Physical, in the flesh, concrete, real. His deed is paramount on the cross. (laughs) It's where word and deed have come together to an extreme that it's never been seen before in human existence and never will. God loves you. He loves you in deed. He loves you in word. Will you accept it? Will you believe it? Will you turn to him? And if you do, may that be the basis that spurs you on individually to say, hey, because this is how the God whose I am loved me, this is how I am going to love others. If his deed could be so great, then there is no deed of mine that can ever be too great. So that the word of that deed may together lead to the spread of the gospel. Pray with me. Father, thank you that you are a deed-doing God. And thank you that For the most part, your church in history has been a deed-doing church. But thank you, Lord God, that what you have done for us, what you want for us, is about far more than our bodies, far more than the flesh. But it is about our spirits. It is about our souls. Thank you for the promise that the deed of the cross will even see our physical bodies one day restored. Thank you for the glory of how you have loved us in word and in deed. And I pray that each of us will go forward from here thinking, listening, 
Lord, what are the deeds that you've put in front of us where they are not being done? Will you help us to do them? (laughs) And Father, show us where the word that needs to be spoken is not spoken. May we speak it in love, together with deeds. And Lord, will you bring in the life of Pathway, individually, but very much corporately, whatever we do together as a church, will you bring these two things together in spectacular beauty and power and impact. And may we say, in years to come, that so the word of God spread in this place, through this church, in this community where you have put us, as the love of Christ was lived out in word and in deed. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, music team.
Thank you, Etienne, and the music group, and everyone who helped put this service together this morning. Thank you very much. Before we go and enjoy a cup of coffee and some packaged biscuits, I'll just leave you with these words. May your day be blessed by moments of quietness, light in your darkness, strength in your weakness, grace in your meekness, joy in your gladness, peace in your stillness. May your day be blessed. Thank you.